there, everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. And today, it is my pleasure to be interviewing Tony LeBlanc all the way from Moncton, New Brunswick. And Tony is, congratulations, Tony, a brand new author as we're doing this, this recording, his newest book. Let's see a look at the cover there, my friend. We got one, Andy? Uh, I do, of course. One. Yeah, we are. There we go. His latest book, Thorpreneur, has been cut off the presses for the last, what, two weeks, I think he said? Yep. Awesome. So welcome to the show, Tony. How are you doing? Thank you, Dave, very much. Very good. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. All right, Tony. So we're going to be talking a lot about your book, Thorpreneur, which I think is an awesome title, so hats off. Thank you. But before we jump into that, Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what your main focus in real estate investing is right now. Sure. Pleasure. So I came from a, uh, I'm a second generation property manager. So I've been around apartment buildings my entire life. I grew up from the age of when I was born to 16, and we lived in the same apartment building here in town where my mother was the resident manager of the apartment building. And she was also the VP of the management company that owned the building. So I've literally been around this business for, for so long. I, I, I grew up taking care of the hallways, dealing with tenants, all that stuff. It was ingrained in me. And I also was lucky enough to get some mentorship very early on from the owners of that management company. And I kind of got a taste of what it meant to own real estate. That started very, very young, which I, I now look back and I was like, yeah, that's kind of probably where this all started. Very cool. I didn't get started in the industry immediately. I've actually, uh, my first love was technology. I had a 15 year stint with IBM as a software engineer and loved every minute of it. I got to travel the world, got to see a lot of different things and work with some of the biggest companies in the world. However, the last few years, the traveling was getting a bit much. Uh, I had had a family, two small kids, and it was getting to be a little bit tough to be gone three weeks out of a month. So I decided... I had to kick my my entrepreneurial stuff in high gear in order to be able to exit that. So in 2009, I started my own property management company that still exists today. Fast forward, we're now in three provinces. We managed close to 2,000 doors, and we've been able to spin off six additional service companies that are attached to the management company. And most recently, I've now bottled that all up into a book. Excellent. Yeah. Before we dump, jump into the book, which I definitely want to focus on primarily, are you also investing in multifamily properties yourself? Uh, you bet. I bought yeah. my first triplex when I was 23. Nice. And I've had about, I was up to about 40, 50 units at one point. Now we got, I think we're down to 27. So still, still not always investing. Heavy, my friend. Yep. That's, yep. that's pretty good. Are you <laughs> primarily in and around Moncton or, or where are most of your personal properties? They're all in Moncton. All in Moncton. All yep. right. Very good. You know, I'm embarrassed to say I have not visited your beautiful province yet. I know I've been to Nova Scotia, yep, but I haven't. You know what? I might that might be a fib. I might have passed (laughs) through part of it, but yeah, I haven't spent any time there, and I need to rectify that. That's for sure. I've heard nothing but great stuff. I'm telling you one secret, and for your listeners, that if you have a lot of listeners out in BC, the East Coast is a gold mine. And a little gem for those guys in the West Coast because of our pricing, oh, yeah. our, our door economics here are a different. Sense. It's a different world from BC or even in Toronto. Yeah. So I would say out of 120 investors that I manage for, I'd probably say 50% of them are from BC. 
That's incredible. Well, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Because I mean, the property prices are crazy. But let's jump into doorpreneur because with your background, with your history, the fact that you grew up in this business and just as a kid were active in it, it just seems normal. <laughs> you know, what petrifies a lot of us as real estate entrepreneurs is a whole idea of dealing with tenants and toilets. We kind of have to do it. You've been doing it. It's second nature to you. It's no big. You've, you've seen, I'm sure, everything under the sun. I have. Possibly <laughs> happened. I have. And it doesn't scare you. So let's jump into that. Let's talk about, well, I don't know what we want to call it, doorpreneurship, but basically the idea of, of managing our properties, maximizing the revenues that we can get from sure. our property. So tell us a little bit about that and, you know, we were talking off camera about some of the cool stuff that you do that most property managers don't think of, or most real estate entrepreneurs don't think of when it comes to, you know, really maximizing revenues from their, from their business. Yeah. So the whole, I I definitely agree. There's, there's definitely a, a, if you want to call it a, a stigma, I guess, with the general population in terms of what property management is, what it stands for and how it's viewed. It's definitely a challenging industry because you're dealing with two things that are incredibly sensitive to people. One is their homes, and two is you're usually dealing with somebody's retirement investment. Like mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an asset that is very, very important for this person on the other side that you're dealing right. with. So whether if you're – so that's from a third-party Yeah, so you basically got two, two customers you're dealing with, right? You've got the owners of the building, and then you've got the tenants, yep. and you've got to try and keep both parties happy. And they usually both want different things. <laughs> That's the challenging part. So to be able to balance and keeping these two happy, sometimes it's not easy. Oftentimes it all works out in the end. However, they are usually one wants this and the other one wants the opposite. Of right? One wants higher rents, wants, wants, does not want higher rents. Yeah. So you got to kind of manage that stuff. With regards to the doorpreneur way in terms of, let's say, an owner that has investment realty or investment properties, and they manage it themselves. There's whether if they manage it themselves or they're working with a third property manager, there's a lot of ways. And the way that I look at property management is a, it's a platform. So you manage these properties and you have access to a lot of different ways to provide service to your clients, whether if that's your investors or that's your tenants, it's, mm-hmm. you have a, a lot of different ways on both sides. So if you're an individual that has acquired some real estate over time and you're, and you're managing these yourselves, then my recommendation is to not just look at the rents in terms of the income that's being generated from your assets, but also look at other possibilities to where some new income and some new things that can be created. Also, you can also you know look at different ways to save money, whether if it's doing a lot of stuff yourself or subbing out. That's where it gets a little bit different versus third-party property management. Okay, so let's let's take a look at that. Show us a picture of what a typical property management outfit looks like, and then show us what you've done differently, and you know the doorpreneur way, yep. and what kind of impact that's had on you and your your businesses. Yep. So a typical management company is going to be, I would say a couple hundred units under management is like a typical size. It's even rare to see somebody managing over 500 units. Mm-hmm. They manage the properties. They'll manage the accounting, which is very typical in every management company. And they're going to handle the leasing component. That's usually what you get for most management companies. 
And oftentimes it can be a great service and they'll sub out the rest. So something that's very close to us is maintenance. Oftentimes the landscaping environment, the, the snow removal and all the, the kind of side things that need to be done within the management company. There's a lot of people that either don't have the expertise or maybe not even the desire to go in and to, to take care of this stuff. So it's easier for them to just sub it out and work with all these contractors. Right. Then you have other management companies where they're also salespeople. So they're realtors, they're licensed. Mm -hmm. Not every province in Canada and, and as well in the States, I believe, you don't necessarily need a license to do property management. Here in New Brunswick, you don't. I know some places out West, you do need a real estate license, but here we don't. Mm -hmm. So you'll see some property managers get their license so they can buy and sell real estate for their investors. A great thing to do to help with your bottom line. Right. Then there's the, the third level, which is I call the doorpreneur model to where you have a property management company with a large book of assets. Basically, once you control these assets, you then get presented with a lot of options and a lot of different opportunities. And if you grow it to a substantial size, a lot of new things starts to pop up. Opportunities in, again, in your maintenance divisions, whether if you want to get into a side business of, of landscaping, snow removal, plumbing, electrical, you name it, you can essentially look at it. The way that we did it was well, five or six years ago, we, we grew the company from zero units to about a thousand doors wow. in, in less than a couple of years. And then we got looking at it. We're like, hmm, what else can we do here? Are we, are we leaving any money on the table? Are we giving the best service possible to our owners and our tenants by having all these outside tradespeople come in and do this work? Do we have good control of it? And unfortunately, a lot of answers were no. Mm. So that's when we spun off our first division, which was uh, landscaping and snow removal. And we started off with our own portfolio kind of cut our teeth in that world, perfected it. And then the ultimate strategy in the doorpreneur model is to then open that up to the general public. So now I am running a real full-fledged business that happens to service my portfolio that I control, but also does general public work. And I shared with you earlier, for us, that has just completely changed our world because after three or four years, the size of that company has now eclipsed the size of our management company. And that, that is so, so cool, Tony, because yeah. I, I don't have very much experience myself with property management. That's, mm -hmm. that's one of those things. I, but I know a couple of, well, several actually property management people and the business, it's pretty slim. The margins are pretty slim for a typical property management company. I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong, but depending on the size of the of the properties, you know, you're looking at four to eight percent range of gross yep. rents is kind of what typical property management fees are. Maybe ten percent if they're managing single family homes, but that just multiplies the pain in the ass factor of that. So it's pretty skinny, especially once you take into account your overhead, paying for your employees, your insurance, all all the stuff that goes along with that. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> so yeah, so adding on a whole new division and then starting off with your own pool of, of clients, you've got a built-in demand right there and then spreading out from there seems really, really smart. But there must have been a lot of learning curve. Oh, boy. This brand new thing, right? It's a whole new business. Yeah, that's another hour-long podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, it was, the first year was, a lot of pain, a lot of figuring out, 
we made some good moves, we made some great moves, and we made some poor moves. So yes, there's there's definitely a learning curve. You're, you're basically you're starting a completely new business that you have to learn the ins and outs on. And employees. And, uh, and oh, absolutely. And all that stuff, right? Yep. Yes. Yes. So how long did it take you to get your? So you're at a you were managing about a thousand doors. Yep. That's when you decided to get in do the in-house landscaping business, right? You started with your thousand doors that you were already managing. How long did it take to grow that business to where it like matched your property management business or even surpassed it? Uh, about three years. Wow. That's fast. That's yep. fast. Yeah. Yeah. And the first year was very, it was a slope because it was really just us. And probably the first year and a half was just our own properties. We had to be able to perfect before we went out to the public. You were so cutting say, a lot of grass then, my friend. Yes, we were, and, yes. and plowing a lot of driveways. <laughs> plowing a lot of snow, yep. Yeah. But you yeah. got it dialed in. Okay, cool. Yep. So then, so you started with the landscaping. Just to give people an idea, what are some other business opportunities that you could look at as so, branch businesses? So I mentioned real estate sales. So I was not licensed till about two years ago. So I started the management company for the first eight years. I wasn't licensed. I, I originally came into this thinking that it would be a conflict of interest. And I'm eternally grateful that I made that decision because it allowed me to build the management company to where it is today. And it's allowed me to now where I have my license, I've got so many pre-existing relationships with so many different investors that literally buying and selling buildings have been basically a phone call. It's been that easy. That just makes sense, doesn't it? Because you've got all these owners that either want to buy more stuff for their portfolio or they want to sell off their portfolio, who better to go to than to you, right? Plus, I'm sure a lot of these can be pocket listings because you you already know who the end buyer ideally probably would be, right? Yeah, it's very rare that I end up being on MLS. It's it's, again, it's usually, it's it's a private, I'll email a few people and it's sold. So So are you even looking for listings or or real estate customers out of your pool? Are are you even bothering much with that part of the business? No, it's just, it's just a bonus thing now. Yeah. It's mostly internal. And plus I get a lot of people from BC, from Toronto that are inquiring. They're looking for stuff and I'm completely biased when I'm going to say this, who better to talk to than a property manager to get the skinny on what's going on in the local market. Definitely. Um, I wear a one-stop shop, right? Yeah. I wear my PM hat first in terms of being able to provide people with the details of a property. And then if there's a sale to be had, or if they're looking to buy something, then we go into that discussion and it's the very natural one. So nice. All right. So we got landscaping, then you brought on the the real estate sales. So then we got into uh, maintenance. We've had that, that one was kind of in there since day one. So maintenance is probably one of the biggest components of the business. Yeah. Commercial cleaning is a new division we started last year. So we do a lot of new construction, people that are building apartment buildings. Once they're done, we send in a team to get it all cleaned up. So wow. we do that anyway. So it's it's a perfect match. Appliance repair, plumbing, another one that we're looking at. Uh, electrical has been, we don't have that many requirements. Plumbing, 100%. Yeah. Appliance repair, 100%. We haven't dived into the mortgage component. We're looking to stay more within kind of the, the services that directly have to do with properties. So we've also looked at roofing. It's more of a seasonal type thing, but we're kind of being a little bit more picky in terms of where we want to go. So right now, how many different, what would you call them, divisions do you have right now? 
Boy. So we have seven divisions across three provinces. So, yeah, it's fun. Brilliant. <laughs> Keeps Brilliant us busy. Stuff, yeah, that's, that's, that is fantastic. Okay, my friend, time flies when we're having fun, so we'll have to definitely have another little visit with you in a few months and, yes. and cover the stuff we didn't cover today. But for those folks that they got that curiosity peaked, well, first of all, let me ask a question. At what point do you think it makes sense to start doing this as a property manager? And I think, so a lot of people listening to this, they might have two or three doors of their own that they're self-managing. This might seem like it just, yeah, okay, that, that'll work good for Tony because he has a thousand doors. Yep. If you were in that position, how would you look at this whole strategy? There's got to be scale. There's got to be scale involved. So I think somewhere is probably around the 300 to 500 unit door count. It starts to make sense because without getting that type of traction, you got to get enough experience under your belt on the management side. Yeah. And the whole foundation of this is the management company. So your, your management experience has to be second to none for your owners and for your tenants. So you got to get that right first. Once you have the confidence level that you can now start branching out into other opportunities, then you can do so. But in terms of a, a specific door count to you and actually want to start something else, mm -hmm. I'm thinking my head is around the three to 500 doors would yeah. probably a good spot. I would think so because yeah. by the time you're that big, you've got that many properties, you can, you know, you've got staff helping you exactly. do the, the management of the property management. That's yeah. when you can focus your attention. And, yeah. And the biggest beauty about this is the whole thing is why it's easy for us to spin off these companies is because we have the infrastructure. Yeah. You can only get that infrastructure once you're a certain size. So we have a full-time CA on staff. I've got all my maintenance guys, my cleaning staff, my property managers, my resident managers. I have the team. So right. now I can reuse them for the different things that I want to be able to see. And it can be so much more efficient because you can have multiple businesses under one roof too, yes. right? So their efficiencies and scales with bookkeeping and accounting and reception and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, yep. makes yep. sense. Tony, yep. awesome stuff. People want to find out more about Tony LeBlanc and, and your book. What should they do? Doorpreneur.com. Doorpreneur.com. Love yes, that sir. title. Yep. Good URL as well, my friend. Yes, thank thank you. you so much for being on the interview. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. Take care. Check out Tony's book. And we will talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at InvestorAttractionDemo.com. Take care.